You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike. Uh, the Fin Fans Podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Hey, it's Saturday, and we never come to you from a Saturday, but today was kind of a special Saturday. Uh, it concluded the 2020 NFL Draft. How'd you enjoy the draft, Lewis? Well, I have mixed emotions about the draft, Mike. I enjoyed it at times, and I disliked it and did not enjoy it at times. So, uh, you know, I, I've got mixed emotions up and down, you know, it, 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 it was really interesting. It, it's almost like, um, you know, watching us in, in a football game when we fall behind, we come back, we fall behind, we come back. It was that type of, you know, draft for us. I think it, uh, and I think that most Dolphin fans are going to feel the same way. They're going to have very mixed emotions about it. I, you know, I don't know. I think a lot of it is perception, you know, and what you were looking for going in. I think that uh, with the stage that this team is in of the rebuilding process, that's what you saw today. You saw a team laying a foundation at the line of scrimmage. And obviously, you know, the, the big pick of the draft was their first pick, uh, <laughs> And, and the way that happened was kind of interesting. You know, I, we, we thought it was Tua. We thought it was Tua. We thought it was Tua. And then all of a sudden, they're talking about Herbert, and they're talking about uh, Love, and they're talking about everybody else. Uh, so, the, you know, and, and then, there you know, there were articles written last week and the week before that nobody thinks they're going to take Tua. So who do they take? They take Tua. So that I give them an A-plus on uh, deception. Because <laughs> I don't think anybody really knew what they were going to do. They certainly did well in that uh, department. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, how did you feel about the Tua selection? I voiced my opinion on that whole situation over the last few weeks. Uh, I didn't want us giving up, giving up any picks to move right. up a few slots, and and they did not do that. Um, I always I felt all along that if he was there at number five, then they should take a chance on him because you have two other picks in the first round, and you had fourteen overall picks in this draft, and you have a lot of draft picks next year. So. Even though it's an extremely important pick for the franchise and where where you're picking at number five, I felt that if this guy's healthy and that is supposedly the case, you know, we had one, a private doctor check him out and uh, he passed. You know, it was, the, it was the doctor that was recommended by the Dolphins. It was the uh, doctor they wanted to check him out. How they managed to do that, I don't know, mm -hmm. but they did and- uh, I'm sure that, you know, that weighed on their decision. Right. Exactly. With that being said, if he's in fact healthy, I mean, this is a guy that would have went either one or two without a question of a doubt. I mean, you would have had a lot of teams in the league trying to trade up to get this guy. So with that being said, you know, the fact that we didn't have to give up anything to get him at number five, I'm absolutely fine with it. But you know, as you look at the rest of this draft, Mike, um, you know, he's the key to it because if in fact, you know, he does not do what is expected of him going forward, uh, you know, we're going to look back on this and, you know, it, it's going to be absolutely crucial to, uh, you know, how we go forward and we're going to look back on it and, and we're going to say, wow, this was the best thing we've done in years or we, you know, it's just another mistake along the way over the last 20 years. So 
you know, I'm looking forward to it going forward. I think he's a great individual. I listened to him, you know, during interviews and, uh, you know, he's, he seems to be a very focused kid. Uh, he's got a lot of great, great qualities about him. You know, listen, there's a, there's a reason he was so highly touted. So of course you gotta be happy with it. And you gotta be, again, you gotta be happy over the fact that we did not have to give up anything to get him. He fell right into our lap. Well, you know, you gave up the fifth pick in the draft. So, you know, and at six, uh, Herbert went. So I think it'll be interesting to see which one of those two guys has the better career. Well, you can throw Burroughs into the mix as well, Mike. Just because he went at number one, it doesn't, it doesn't guarantee anything. So, right. you know, going forward, it's, 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 it's always fun to watch this develop. You know, as a Dolphin fan, it's going to be excruciating for us because I don't think we're going to see this guy for a while. And we're still, even once the season starts, we're still going to have a waiting game with this guy. And, uh, you know, that's, that kind of hurts you in a sense, you know, as a dolphin fan, because you're not going to get a guy like right out of, right out of jump street that you expect to compete and expect to be on the field as early as the beginning. Well, of it's next like year. the night before Christmas, you know, the presents are there, but you can't quite open them yet. Right. Yeah. But you don't want to wait until the following Christmas to open them either, Mike. Right. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's where we're at. It, it could be a whole, a whole, <laughs> a, a whole season before we actually see something out of them. Now, listen, if he's truly uh, moving along well, I mean, we still have months before the season starts, so who knows? I mean, right. maybe he you says know, he'll be ready to play come uh, September. We'll see. It we'll see exactly. Listen, it's you know, it, it it's going to be fun. I think a lot of Dolphin fans are going to be extremely happy, and there's going to be a lot that aren't. You know, it it is what it is. You know, you know and, I, I uh, would think with the transitions along the offensive line, they, they're probably better off to sit him for a while and let him learn and uh, let Fitzpatrick get back in there and uh, do what he did last year as best he can. Agreed. I mean, if if Fitzpatrick was able to be productive behind that offensive line last year, mm-hmm. then. You know, you got to expect with the amount of free agents that we signed and the amount of guys that we drafted, which we'll talk about later, that among this 20 some odd guys that we're going to have in camp uh, at offensive line, that you're going to get five solid players in front of Fitzpatrick. And, uh, you know, what better guy, like you said, to learn behind? Uh, You know, I mean, he's such a, you know, he's such a great individual. And he's a, he's a, he's an exceptional teammate, and uh, you know Tua can't can't ask for anything more. Even no, the coaches, no. you know. Yes, and you know, did you see Flores? You know, during the draft when they went to him, I mean, almost every time he he was either just sitting there looking bored, or he was ecstatic. One of the two. It was kind <laughs> <Right>. of funny. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. Um, you know. It, I, I like Flores a lot. I know you like him a lot. I don't know how you don't like a guy like that. He's got a lot of intensity. You know, he brought this football team from a place where, uh, you know, we were looking at it at, you know, at, we were looking at an 0-16 season initially. And I was like, you know, early on in the year, I was like, you know what? I mean, I can't see us winning more than two, three games the rest of the year. And um we won five, and we competed in many others, and uh, you know that's a testament to him. You know, well, we're going to uh, find out what kind of coach he is real soon because uh, he's got his work cut out for him. 
you know, they took a lot of raw prospects in this draft, and we'll talk about it as we go through the draft, but uh, it's going to be up to him and his coaches to develop these players, and uh, that's definitely going to be a chore. They've got to be good at what they do in order to get this to work. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's an interesting point, Mike, because, you know, with him being in his second year and with Greer being there, uh, you know, you would have expected them to get guys that were projected to go where they were so, you know, in, in those spots where they were drafted. I mean, we did get a lot of raw talent and you would think that they wouldn't have taken so many chances on a lot of these guys. And the fact that they did, um, you know, basically is showing everybody the type of confidence they have That's in, exactly in, in, it. in a draft. They have yeah. confidence in the fact that we see these guys, we see them as raw player. We see them as, you know, young, young players on top of that. And, um, we're going to develop them into we see something in all of these guys, whether it be character, whether it be, you know, uh, productivity on the field, maybe not so much that. But, you know, they saw qualities in these guys that they felt that they needed to reach up for them and grab them. So yeah, they're projecting what they can be and not necessarily drafting them based on what they are. Right. They went by the beat of their own drum, Mike, is yep. where I'm getting at, because, yep. you know, collectively, you know, before we move on to these guys individually, but collectively as a group, you know, you can look at them and say, well, all these so-called experts had these guys rated a lot lower as to where we drafted them. And, um, you know, a, a good majority of them were reaches as to where we took them. But, you know, again, that's all, it's always speculation and it's always, you know, what, what you see in people. And, um, Obviously, the Dolphins, you know, due to the fact that they do, they did in fact reach for a lot of these guys. They felt that these guys were going to be productive players for them. So, you know, now it's well, just you know, a waiting. Flor- Flores has a background in scouting. Obviously, Greer has been scouting forever. Marvin right. Allen has a background in scouting, and McKenzie has a background in scouting. So, I think collectively, they're probably smarter than a lot of the guys that write these reviews. I would uh, I would agree with you absolutely. Yeah, so I mean we're going to read some of these reviews and and I would take them, you know, for what they're worth. Um, mm-hmm. you know, because only time will tell what these players can and can't be. The reviews are not going to tell us that. Absolutely. It's just one person's opinion. And history has taught us that, Mike. Yep. Uh, so, you know, there's no science to this. There really isn't. Yeah, exactly. It's it's, you know, luck. It's it's guys being in the right scheme to fit their, you know, their their uh, skill set and uh you know, their ability to learn and a whole bunch of other things that, you know, nobody can really uh, measure guess beforehand. Right. Desire, Mike. Desire. Yep. And, and the, you know, the will to win football games, the will to become the best football player you could potentially be. And, um, you know, you can't measure that at, at a, um, you know, at these uh, combines and um, and that type of thing. So and they try to, you know, with the intelligence tests and all that. But, it, you know, I mean, it. That to me, that doesn't really work. Anyway, let's let's talk about Tua first, since he was the first pick. Um, I'll give you some of the negatives first. Uh, you know, obviously the durability thing, but we're not going to get into that right now. There was a, a great article written by um, the Finsider, and uh, I'm going to attach that article to the show notes today because I think everybody should read it. Uh, it goes over his injury history and kind of disputes the fact that he's brittle. Uh, so everybody can read that and make their own opinion. Um, now the uh, two of the negatives that were written on him, you know, he's a little gun shy uh, when he's firing in the tight windows. 
makes a lot of panicky throws when his first read isn't there. They say he was blessed with a bevy of playmakers that pumped up his stats and gave him easy throws. And that's that's one that kind of rubs me the wrong way because, you know, as a quarterback, you got to get the ball there. If he's getting the ball there, he's doing his job. I don't care how easy or hard the throw is. Uh, with his completion percentage, he completed a lot of tough passes as well. Right. Arm strength is on the low end for an NFL starter. Uh, there's a noticeable arc on any uh, downfield throw. And that's something he'll have to work on, you know. I mean, he, he's young. He, he'll get stronger. And uh, I think you'll see that improve as time goes on. Uh, now, the positives is uh, pinpoint accuracy by any measure. Can get outside the pocket and extend plays. Uh, doesn't drop his eyes under pressure. He's not afraid to work in a tight pocket. Uh, carves up blitzes, throws with anticipation, and doesn't need to see an open receiver to throw it. Uh, he converted pressure to sacks at a low rate both years as a starter. So that's that's some of the positives on him and some of the negatives on him. I mean, you know, he's considered a franchise quarterback, and there was only two in the draft, him and uh, Burrow. So, you know, time may tell us something different, but that's that's what you know, everybody thought going in. Uh, so I'm, I'm really happy they got him, and uh, I really look forward to seeing him play. Yeah, the, fa- the fact, again, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit this. Uh, the fact that he doesn't have to step right in and become the savior here is, is key. Sure. Now, had Fitzpatrick not had a good year last year, we would have been desperate to have this guy on the football field. But if Fitzpatrick comes out and does what he did last year, I think every Dolphin fan, I know I'll be happy. I know you'll be happy. If he plays the, at the level he played at last year, then we're fine. I mean, we can get this guy in a situation where he's completely healthy and he, you know, he's at the NFL level and you slowly ease him in. So, you know, th- that that's a key here. It's a key with every young guy. Um, you know, y- if you look around the league at guys like Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, and Mayfield and all these guys that have been drafted recently, they're extremely inconsistent. I mean, yep. there's very few guys that have been consistently good, you know, game in and game out. They're they're very inconsistent and because they've been thrown in the situations right away. So, uh, you know, in comparison, you saw Mahomes sit for a year and lo and behold, look at the way he's played. Now, he may just be a better quarterback, but maybe there's something to the fact that he had the opportunity to sit for a year as well, you know, and, and learn everything and take it, you know, at, and not be just thrown right into, right into the mix. So, you know, th- there's positives to this, Mike, you know, in a lot of ways, um, you know, again, you know, it, it, you, you got to be happy. If you're a Dolphin fan, you got to be happy. You know, people have been asking for, for a franchise quarterback for, since Marino's gone and, and now we've drafted one, hopefully. So we'll see. Yep. Um, now, in the next pick, the 18th selection, they selected an offensive tackle, uh, Austin Jackson. This guy's six foot five, three hundred and twenty-two pounds. He's a beast. Uh, any thoughts on him? Well, um, you know, Mike, the the reports on him and what I saw on him on film are very inconsistent, and um, you know, it, it's a need. It's an absolute need on this team, and at that point in the draft. I would say he was the best guy, you know, at that position, the draft. Now that remains to be seen. He was graded, you know, around there. There were, you know, the other four, the top four guys were ready off the board. So exactly. they weren't an option. So at this point, you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, 
well, we can trade down and maybe he'll still be there. Maybe he won't. You know, the bottom line is this, is that uh, it comes from USC, comes from a good program. Um, he should do well. I don't know if he's going to ever become a Pro Bowl type player, but uh, you know he's got to as a number one pick, 18th pick in the draft. He's got to come in and he's got to he's got he's got to start for us. You know, it's that simple. They've got to throw him out there, in my opinion, and they've got to make him work because uh, they don't have anybody at that left tackle position that should even compete with him regardless. And I know he's raw, Mike, and, and some people may agree with, with this whole situation, but the bottom line is, is that he's got to get his feet wet. Let him get his feet wet. Um, you know, he's a healthy player and, you know, the best way for him to learn is to put him out there. I don't know. I'm a little nervous, Lou. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me read you this. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you're going to read me because I read the same things, but go ahead. The hype surrounding Jackson is difficult for us to get on board with for a number of reasons. While he has the length and the quicks for an NFL tackle, he's yet to show the consistency or physicality of one. He's got taken a task against uh, any talented edge rusher he's faced, and he still needs to add considerable play strength. While the base uh, traits are there, that's a lot that he needs to improve upon to simply see an NFL field. That's a late day two guy for us at best, but don't be surprised if he goes day one. Uh, now, his they go on to say he's uh, athletic, got quick feet, he's long. Uh, those are the positives. The uh, negatives are he plays kind of soft, doesn't look to bury people. NFL caliber edge defenders carve him up. He's young, he's 20 years old. Yeah, he did 27 reps with his uh, long arms. His uh, three-cone drill was in the 40th percentile, which obviously is lower than you would like, and they say that's a concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did well in his other combine work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he it, it sounds to me like he's a young player, and that's what he is. He's a young player. He's probably not completely, you know, as strong as he's going to be. He's probably not as big as he's going to be, uh, but, you know... Uh, he's going to have to work on his body a little bit. He's got four months to do that, Mike. Yep. I mean, he's 6'5", <laughs> 322. It's going to take a little while. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, they, they'll they put him on a program, and yep. I think they'll whip him in the shape. Listen, you know, Dieter came in, and he started pretty much every game for us last year. I think this kid yeah. is probably a little bit further along, maybe, maybe not, than he's Dieter. He's got to get stronger, I think. He's got to get stronger. But again, Mike, you know, you, you look at our tackle situation, and, um, you know, if I'm the Dolphin coaching staff, they're taking this kid, and they're saying, listen, you know, we're going to get him to where he needs to be, by opening day, and he's going to see the field. And and I'm telling you, I mean, I'll be shocked if he's not starting on opening day. I, I truly would be because they, we just don't have players in front of him that I feel are going to be able to do any better a job. It just makes sense to put him out there. He may struggle initially, but, you know, to get his feet wet in the NFL, I mean, this is a position to where he's got to, you know, he's got to start somewhere. And day one next year is is the – I mean, you invested a number one pick on him, and you did it for a reason. So get him out there. We don't want to put Fitzpatrick in a position where he's going to get broken. <laughs> Mike, he's going to be in a position, <laughs> whether it's Jackson or one of the other guys, that we have playing that left tackle position. I mean, yeah, we didn't yeah. have world beaters there last year. And, I, you know, I, I don't, you know, this, well, we'll see. You know, again, we'll see. But as far as I'm concerned, I mean, this is a guy that you got to just plug in. Yeah. You have to. 
Their next pick, they traded down from 26 to 30, and they uh, picked up cornerback Noah Igben Agony. Yes. Let's just call him Noah. How's that? Dude, Noah we got works Tua, for me. Tua and Noah. Igben Agony. And uh, they got the Packers' fourth-round pick, right? Yeah, we picked up a fourth-rounder in the yeah. process. We moved down four slots, picked up a fourth-rounder. So what were your thoughts on that selection? Uh, I was very surprised by it. Um, you know, even though we're getting <laughs> we're getting thumbs up from a lot of people. We wouldn't have thought cornerback, right? Not in a million years. No way. Not after we threw all that money at, at uh, Jones and, yep. you know, we already have X-Man. I mean, you know, the thing is this, is that in the NFL nowadays, you look at Kansas City, right? Those are the NFL champions. Okay. Yep. And what do they throw at you? They throw a bunch of receivers at you. They can and fly. That's how they, right. That's how they win football games. And if you looked at the draft as a whole this year, the amount of receivers that were drafted early and the amount of cornerbacks and secondary players, there, there were quite a few. So there's a lot of importance on guys like this. And I, you know, I, I just want everybody out there to understand that, you know, even Mike, we talked, you know, all yeah. of us talked, all the guys do the podcast, Jim Johnson and Kirk, we were all, you know, we were all on the phone together talking about this pick and we were all shocked by it, to be honest with you. But as I looked at it and, and I started reading up on the player, I liked it a lot more than yeah, I did initially. It, it began to make more sense. And if you look at the NFL as a whole right now, we don't have a lot of depth past those guys. I mean, keep in mind, we lost Xavier Howard, you know, for the majority of last year. So, you know, this is a guy you can never have enough. You said this yesterday, Mike, you can never have enough cornerbacks. And um, this guy may very well. And as I read up on all these guys, he may very well be the best guy that we drafted this year when everything's all said and done. And that includes Tua. And I know that's a bold statement, but this guy, I think, has the potential to be an extremely, extremely good football player in the NFL. So this is one of the picks that I, I hated at first and actually like more than most right now. Well, I think he's a kid that's going to need a lot of coaching because he's very handsy and uh, he grabs onto the jerseys and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's going to need to learn to play the NFL way. Another raw player. Yep. In, in, in some aspects. Yes, but he's a good player. I mean, he is. He's a good player. He has uh, makeup speed. He's uh, physical. Uh, he is very physical. Um, the biggest complaint on him really is he's not a ball hawk. You know, he's not a guy that's going to come down with a lot of interceptions. Right. And that could come with time, Mike, because he is a converted, you know, he, he came from, he played wide receiver. Right. And they moved him to the defense for a reason. <laughs> right. Exactly. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, he's an uber athlete. He has speed, agility. He has makeup speed. You name it, he's got it. Very physical, well-built, plays to his size. He's very young. He won't turn 21 until the end of his rookie year. He's patient at the line of scrimmage, won't get, go for the kill shot, but rather the just the uh, deadening blow. He had the second most press coverage snaps of any quarter cornerback in uh, college. Nice. And I, I talked about his propensity to grab and, and hold on, and that's where they go there. Sometimes he looks like he's guessing more than uh, reading the coverage, so, you know, re reading the uh, offense. So he's got to learn to uh, use his eyes. He tends to ride receivers instead of mirroring them. Uh, that won't fly in the NFL. 
Now, he runs a 4.4840, finished in the uh, 71st percentile there. Uh, He's 5'10", 188 pounds, which shouldn't be an issue because he has extremely long arms for his size. Any other thoughts on him? Uh, No. I mean, I, you know, I pretty much covered it. I think that, you know, for this guy to be among those other two guys that we already have in that secondary and to learn from those two is a plus. I mean, he's in a great situation, just like Tua. I mean, he can learn from two extremely good corners, experienced cornerbacks in the league. And uh, the fact that, you know, he's going to be the third leg back there doesn't put a ton of pressure on him. Uh, you know, I mean, he's again, this is a guy that is not going to have to go out there and basically, you know, th- be thrown right in the mix against the best, you know, the best guys, you know, the best guy from the other team, the number ones, you know, he's going to be playing slot guys and, and doing that sort of thing, depending on how teams line up against us and how we decide to line up against them. So I think he's going to be in a very good position. I think he's going to see the field quite a bit as well, you know, early on, you know, for the most part. I think yeah. he's going to be out there quite a bit from early in the season. So do I. Um, the next guy, uh, pick 39, they took uh, Robert Hunt, an offensive right tackle. Now, he was a third-round projection. He's 6'5", 322. They say here it's a shame they only got to see 412 snaps out of Hunt in uh, 2019 as he was one of the most dominant guards in the country. If you think his level of competition is a serious concern, go pop on the Mississippi State tape from week one this past season where he tossed around Bulldog defenders as much as any SEC tackle did this past season. He's your classic tackle guard convert at the next level and looks like a plug-and-play type prospect. I'd be more worried about him turning 24 next season if he wasn't already so physically dominant. Easy power, never over a match strength-wise, naturally massive dude. Looks for kill shot when unoccupied in pass protection. Definitely not passive, nastiness you can't coach. Attacks in the run game, explodes in the contact. Not agile enough to play tackle. Uh, Likely kicked in the guard. Uh, not really tested in pass protection. Louisiana ran more than they passed each of the last two years. Has a little hitch getting out of his stance on pulls and wide runs, which can be costly. He overextends for uh, punch needlessly, and he can be a little more patient with his power. So that's that's pretty much the thoughts on him. And, and you know, this is a guy I'm excited to see play. Yes, I mean, I, I'm right with you. I, I think he's going to be a very good football player for our team as well. And this is another guy that I think, Mike, is going to be on the field from day one. Yeah, I do too. I mean, if, if what I'm reading here is an accurate representation of his skill set, why wouldn't you want him in there? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's got all the all the traits you love out of an offensive lineman. I mean, when who was the last guy you can remember having that type of write-up about? You know, the, the, the physicality. Uh, the fact that he just wants to absolutely dominate the guy in front of him, you got to love that attitude. Yep. And, um, you know, this this is another pretty solid football player right here, you know, at 39 in the draft at positions that we desperately need. I mean, the offensive line, if anything, Mike, we have no depth across that offensive line. So, you know, the fact that this guy comes in and he's going to be competing 
against guys like Dieter, who we drafted last year, it, it, it's going to be a positive. I mean, you're going to throw all these guys up against the wall, and you're going to have five solid players well, when it's all said and done. He's probably going to throw Dieter against the wall. I think so. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think he's going to come right in, and he's going to you know he's going to start for us. I think that uh, this was a really really solid pick, and you know I hate to say this, Mike, but uh, I tend to like him a little bit more than I do Austin Jackson, our number one pick. But um, you know we'll see how that all unfolds. Well, you like Nasty on your offensive line, so yes. I see that I get excited. You know, last guy we had that we could kind of consider in that mold was Incognito. Absolutely, yep. And then you know we had a lot of guys prior to that, but. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. You 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 love this guy. I I thought it was a very very solid pick at that point, no question. Yeah, hopefully they can turn him into a ball player. The next pick was fifty six, Raekwon Davis, uh, the big defensive tackle, six six three twenty. Says here he was projected a, a fourth round pick due to his lack of pass rush skills. His scouting report could have been written after his sophomore season, as it basically would have read the same. He's a monster versus the run and putrid as a pass rusher. It says any coach who believes in his own ability likes to think that if they see a player do something once, they can get them to do it every time. Uh, that's also known as the Raekwon Davis story. This is brutal. Uh, with his prodigious length and uh, power, he has the reps on tape that leave your mouth wide open. He also had exceptional coaching in Alabama that's been completely unable to get him to replicate those reps on a consistent basis. And this isn't some one-year breakout either. Davis has been a solid run defender who has offered uh, almost nothing as a pass rusher for three straight seasons now. At some point, you just have to admit that that's who he is. And they get into the uh, others. The length uh, that creates serious issues for offensive linemen, he can dictate first contact, sinks its hip his hips well for a taller defensive lineman. So much power behind his hands, he takes down running backs with uh, one hand with ease. Uh, short area quickness is lacking. He struggles to finish at the quarterback, obviously. Uh, limited pass rushing skills beyond a bull rush. If he doesn't control you from the start, he's done. So he's not real quick-footed. Uh, so this is their write-up. Now, you know, I think the Dolphins are, are really perfectly okay with that because, as we know, they are looking for people that can stop the run. Yeah. And I'm sure that this is a guy they'll put in on early downs and, and maybe rotate a little bit with Wilkin and Gotchow, and, and they'll come in on the uh, passing downs. Right. The, the problem with the NFL nowadays, Mike, is that there's a lot less running downs <laughs> than there are passing downs. Well, that's downs. true, but, you know, you're third and ones or, or whatever. You know, whenever right. they decide goal that line, they, yeah, they want to go with a little heavier defense, they'll throw him in there. Yeah, I mean – you know, Mike, th this is the part of the draft where I, I got a little disgruntled. Uh, you know, the next this pick and the next one, and we can get into him in a few minutes. But um, this part of the draft I wasn't thrilled with, and I think that it was our weakest part of the draft by far. I, I don't even think it's it's comparable. I think that we started off pretty well. You know, there's mixed emotions about Jackson, but for the most part, those first four picks I felt were very solid picks. Uh huh. You know, right around here is where I got a little disgruntled and a little upset because I think that this guy would have been available much farther down the line without Today. a <laughs> absolutely yeah, right. Without a question of a doubt. You know, it it's a situation where I just didn't understand it and hopefully somewhere down the line we will because I think this guy's gonna be a part time player and a very small part time player. 
Um, and when you're talking about second round picks, I mean, you kind of want guys that are going to be on the field the majority of the time. And I don't see this guy at any point, you know, as to, you know, the, the evaluations that they've put out on him so far uh, doing anything but that. So, you know, I felt that this was a guy that maybe you get in the fourth, fifth, sixth round and not late in the second round. I, I, I thought it was a major mistake and probably their biggest mistake of the draft. Wow, that's a bold statement. Well, I don't know. We'll see. They, they're really intent on stopping the run, and I think that's you know that that's why maybe they reached a little bit for him at seventy. They took uh, Brandon Jones, a safety. Uh, he was projected to go in the sixth round. Now you know we're talking round three, so they really uh, dug deep for him or had him much higher graded than some of these other people did. Heading into the 2019 season, Jones didn't look like much more than a big athlete plugged in at safety for Texas. His angles and route recognition on the uh, back end were nothing special. However, he got more opportunities to go down and cover the slot this past season, and he thought uh, his natural talent really flourished. He's got the movement skills for the position, but not necessarily the quick read and react ability. Because of that, he's still likely a day three type of prospect. And he says he ticks the size and athleticism boxes you want at safety. He knows how to get physical with receivers without grabbing or committing pass interference. Smooth hips and tracking downfield. Diverse usage over the course of his uh, career. Looked much better manning the slot for Texas this past year. Got exposed when lined up as a deep safety. No real trump card trait. Not quick to read and react. Uh, They say he compares to Patrick Chung. Possible switch to slot cornerback could be in his future. Yeah. I mean, Mike, again, you know, I'll go back to this was the part of the draft that I wasn't thrilled with. And, um, you know, he's he's part of the equation here. I think that he's a marginal player. I think, you know, you're going to see special teams. You know, he's some depth. But I mean, my goodness, I mean, this is a third this is a third round pick. You know, you're expecting guys that are going to be on the field quite a bit for you. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I just don't see, you know, this guy ever developing into anything more than a, you know, a marginal, a part-time player. And this is, again, a third-round pick that I think you could have got later in the draft. It's possible. I mean, they're comparing him to Patrick Chung. I mean, that's not that's not a terrible comparison. No, it's, it's not a terrible comparison. And um, I, you know, just just... Just for the record, I hate comparisons. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do too, to an extent. Yeah, you know? I do but because everybody's their own person. Everybody's know? their own individual, and and I, you know, Patrick Chung, Chung's a really, really good football player. And if this guy gets to that level, great. But um, everything I've seen of him, you know, that doesn't bode that. You know, it doesn't show that in any way, shape, or form. So, you know, again, I I felt that that you know that there there was. There, there were better players on the board at this point in the draft, and you know, I don't know what they saw in him or like, a, like we talked. Well, I about can tell you Davis. something he did that was very, very impressive. Okay, he had a binder that he took with him to the combine, mm-hmm. and uh, he went through tape on all the uh, NFL defenses, and he actually offenses, and he jotted down and basically charted their plays. And what they did in all type of different situations, mm-hmm. and he had that book with him, and uh, they were floored by it, you know. And I'm not doing it justice describing it because it was it was in detail, and I don't remember all the detail. But basically, you know, he just went in there and uh, 
really impressed them with his intelligence because they didn't believe he did it. They just didn't believe he had the ability to do that. And, uh, you know, it showed that he spent a lot of time and he's serious about his profession. So I think, you know, that may, that may have got him drafted a little bit earlier than he should have been. Right. Well, something did, Mike. Yep. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, most they players don't, in- go, don't go to that trouble. You know, they, they, you know, he really impressed them with that. Exactly. But I mean, you know, you moved up two, three rounds in the, in the draft over that. I, you know, again, I, I think. Well, I'm a, not saying that's the reason, but I'm saying he, I'm sure he got their attention with that. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I got you. So. I got you. Round four, pick 111. Round four. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. Solomon Kindley. Georgia yeah. Bulldog. Yeah. Now uh, we traded and uh, gave up a couple of picks for him. Yes, we did. Now, Kinley is six foot four, 335 pounds. Says he thrived in the SEC by street, straight leaning on dudes. <laughs> He's got a lot of play by simply being 330 plus pounds and being able to play with leverage. That type of play doesn't quite translate to the NFL, though. It's also gotten unceremoniously exposed far more often this past season than he did in uh, 2018. He looks the part of an NFL player, but he's a late day three prospect. And uh, goes on to say, after seeing some action at right guard in 2017 and struggling in pass protection, Kinley joined uh, teammate Andrew Thomas, who was uh, playing right tackle, and they both moved to the other side of the ball, the left side. And uh, he looked far better playing on the left side than he did on the right. It improved his run blocking, but his pass blocking was uh, night and day. Raised his uh, grade and made, just made him look overall uh, better. Kinley allowed a few more pressures in 2019 and had uh, a 75-9 pass block grade, which is not terrible. Yeah, it says that was still above average compared to his counterparts. So uh, he's one of the best combo blockers in the country, stays under control, working to the second level. He has a deadening punch in pass protection, stops defensive tackles in their tracks, torques linebackers with ease, legit upper body strength, mirror is lacking, quickness gives him problems. Well, I think quickness is going to give anybody just 335 pounds (laughs) problems. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, so slow out of his stance, not his own fit, body carrying a good deal of bad weight at the moment, guard only. And, you know, this is a guy I'm sure they'll bring in and they'll get him in a strength program and they'll get him to lose some of that weight. And I'm sure the Florida Sun will help that. You know, I think he, he's a player that's going to improve. I have no doubt that he's going to improve because he's going to get into better shape and he'll be a little bit quicker, I'm sure. Yeah. And another guard, a guy that's definitely going to be an inside player for us. So, yes. uh, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, now you're looking at what is that now, Mike? We're up to our, what, one, two, three, four, Fifth five, round. six, seventh, uh, seventh pick in the draft, and three of them are offensive line. And, and that's what we wanted. You know, we yeah. wanted a bunch of offensive line linemen being drafted, and, and we got them, you know, well, half, you half know- of our draft. Lou, you and I have talked over the past few days, and I know you were grumbling about running back. Yes. They traded for Matt Breida from the uh, 49ers. Mm-hmm. I think that changed your whole outlook. You, you were smiling once again. Absolutely. I mean, as you're watching some of these players come off the board, uh, you know, you're thinking to yourself, what are we doing? We don't have a lot of depth there. Jordan Howard is a very solid football player when he's on the football field. Uh, 
you know, he, he does tend to get injured. Last year he got injured and yeah, uh, so does Breda. Right. Uh, the breed is, yeah, he, he gets injured as well, but you have depth now and Breda is a very, very good football player. And to give up a fifth rounder to get him, uh, you know, at that point in the draft, I don't think you're getting a running back of his quality at that point. You've got a guy now that has some experience. Uh, he comes from a team that, that a winning football team, 49ers were outstanding last year. He was part of that. He can bring some of that attitude over here. And I like the player. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's a little bit like Kenyon Drake, who you know I love. Uh, he can catch the football. He's extremely quick. He cuts quick. Um, he's got a lot of really, really good attributes to his football game. So I'm extremely happy over the fact that we gave up nothing more than a fifth round to get a very, very solid football player. It was a great deal for them. There's no question. Yep. Something they certainly needed, you know, and, you know, I've got no problem that they didn't take a running back before then because they do need the linemen. I'm perfectly fine with them taking linemen. You know, you got to build this team and you got to build it at the line of scrimmage. They, they, it's obvious by what they're doing. They, they're tired of getting pushed around because they're picking up some big boys. Uh, you're not going to push around 335 pound people. Agreed. Agreed. So, I, I mean, I, you know, listen, Mike, you know, getting back to the statement you just made, my, my concern right there in regard to the running back, I mean, I felt that, you know, that late second round pick that they used on Davis, the defensive lineman, and Brandon Jones in the third round at number 70, I felt they could have had a nice young running back because there were still some guys on the board at that point uh, that I felt could have helped the football team uh, a Priorities. little bit more than the guys that they they got. But again, that remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. And and the fact that they came back and picked up Brita, uh, you know, I, I, I'm happy. I, I'm truly happy because now we have a little bit of depth there at running back. And you've got a guy that we needed. We needed a guy that can catch the football out of the backfield and a guy that can, you know, take off and take it to the house from 30, 40 yards out. And he's capable of doing that, Breida. Yep. We always talk about them needing playmakers. So I certainly get what you're saying. I just think that they were focusing, you know, on the line of scrimmage early right. as they should have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, this team has been horrible at the line of scrimmage. Yes, they have. So, you know, it all makes sense. Uh, you just got to sit back and, you know, kind of bite your tongue a little bit until the picture's, you know, done being painted. Mm-hmm. Round five, pick 154, uh, was uh, Jason Strobridge, uh, defensive end. He's uh, 6'4", 275 pounds. He has throwback 3-4 defensive end traits. He'll fit teams in need of a base run-stuffing end. Asking him to provide much of anything in a pass rusher, though, is pushing it. He's the type of late-round body you feel comfortable about being able to plug in as a rotational player should the situation call for it. He is vastly underdeveloped as a pass rusher, but he's uh, enough. he has enough athleticism to be either the penetrator or looper on stunts. If you're dra- drafting him, though, it's for what he brings to the table as a run defender. He's likely a base end at the next level and a type of player who won't be blocked one-on-one with tight ends. Uh, He played a good deal on the interior at North Carolina, but double teams are going to be an issue for him uh, there with his pad level. Yeah, he's a guy, Mike. You see the theme here? Yep. He fits into the Raekwon Davis uh, mold to where they're out there to stop runs. Yep. And, um, you know, he, he's going to be a solid defensive end in those situations, but, uh, he's going to be situational and that's what you see this T 
team and this defense doing. They're going to have guys coming in and out on every play, and he's a guy that's going to be there, be in in there in running situations, goal line situations, and he's probably going to be an extremely productive player doing just that. And maybe he can develop a little bit of a pass rush along the way. So I like him. I mean, he had, you know, he got drafted right around where he should have been. He wasn't a reach. You know, I like the pick at that point. You know, we don't have any depth at that defensive end position, like none whatsoever. So it's interesting that they waited until the fifth round to, you know, to address that need. You know, the fact that they signed two free agent defensive ends probably, you know, it made it a little bit easier for them to do that. And maybe that's why they didn't wait. You know, they waited so late to address that need. But, um, you know, I think he's going to be a very good football player in, in situations. Absolutely. I don't think there was great talent at the defensive end position in this draft. No, no dominant. Right. There was a few early, but not, yeah, yeah. not many thereafter. In the uh, fifth round, the next pick, they took Curtis Weaver, an outside linebacker. Now, he's 6'2", 265, uh, not really athletic, doesn't have a big body of work against quality tackles uh, to prove that his lack of athleticism won't matter. They go on to say they've never seen an edge dominate the group of five to the degree that Weaver did. In 2017, he generated pressure on 18.6% of his 177 pass rushing snaps, finished the year with double-digit sacks despite only being a rotational part of uh, Boise State's uh, pass rush. Weaver only continued to get better, turning in a ridiculous 2018 season. He still played only 507 defensive snaps, but he won over 30% of his pass rushing snaps. He generated pressure on over 20% of his rushes. Uh, Weaver was able to keep up similar levels of play on an increased workload this past season. He also showed improvement as a run defender. That sounds like a kid who uh, is a high-effort player. At that point in the draft, Mike, fifth round, you got a really, really good football player here. Um, And if you combine combine Weaver and Strobridge together – you've got a hell of a defensive end there, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think what they did was they got their their run-stopping defensive end with the first pick in that fifth round, and then 10 picks later, they come back and get the guy that's going to replace him on passing down. Right. So, you know, it's interesting as to how they, you know, how they uh, went after that and how they approached that. Um, but again, you know, you combine these two players together, you're going to probably see them rotating in and out at some point, you know, over the course of the season next year, uh, one coming in for the other, depending on the situation. So, I mean, I like that pick. I thought that it was one of their better picks at where they picked them. Um, you know, I, I think they got a lot of value in the kid and the fact that they say he's just not a, an athletic player, uh, you know, just it doesn't make an awful lot of sense to me because obviously he's capable of getting to the quarterback, and that's all we give a damn about. I don't care if he can hurdle, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> or jump. He can hurdle, you know, all kinds of obstacles in his way, or uh, you know, jump fifteen feet in the air. I mean, as long as he gets to the quarterback, I don't care how he does it. He's that's getting it. it done somehow, some kind of way. That's it. Now, will, will it translate to the next level? That's the question. That's why he went where he did, because there's some question. But, you know, still, uh, he's obviously a high-effort player. So you take that guy, you work with him, and hopefully you make him a better player. Well worth the risk at that point. Absolutely. Yep. 
And uh, in the sixth round, they took uh, a long snapper, uh, the brother of the Bills long snapper, Blake Ferguson. <laughs> now, I don't know much about long snappers. Uh, <laughs> you know, he won the uh, David Benn Award in 2018, which is given annually to the best long snapper in college. So we know that much. And he's got some uh, credit here for being a good leader in the clubhouse. And he goes downfield and he makes tackles as well, yep. doesn't he? Yep. So here's the thing, Mike, with, with, with long snappers. And I don't know the history of long snappers being drafted. You know, I think that most of them are signed as, as free agent rookies coming out, I would think. Because honestly, I don't remember another long snapper being drafted now. I could be wrong. I mean, it's not something I would... I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure it's happened too. But in order for this kid to get drafted in the sixth round, instead of being signed, you know, after the draft's over today, uh, he's got to be exceptional at what he does. And, um, you know, if he is in fact that type of player, then great. You've got a guy that is going to and it and it's it's a much more important position than what people believe it to be. Uh, you know, the fact that snaps are right on target on punts and kicks are key. Uh, you know, the blocking, you know, going downfield and making plays, as you know, we, me and you talked about it before we came on. Um, you know, this kid goes downfield and he makes tackles. So he's got to be exceptional at what he does. So that's why I'm sure he was drafted. And um you know, it's a situation where they needed to upgrade at that position, and they did it. He's got the alpha male leadership qualities, you know, that they're looking for. And, right. And uh, I'm sure that was attractive to them because you can't have enough leaders in the clubhouse, you know? Hey, if he becomes, Mike, the best long snapper in the league, yep. uh, and we got him in the sixth round, how can you knock it, right? That's you, it. You really can't. I mean, if That's he's it. if he's that good, uh, you know, to where he got all the, you know, he he did all of those things in college and it translates to the NFL and it should, then, uh, you know, you, you can't go wrong with that. I mean, you know, long snappers, it's not something that we looked at and said, Oh yeah, we need, we need a long snapper. No, but, it wasn't. But we, we both know that, uh, you know, you get a bad snap on a punt. It can, it can be a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you give up a safety, you give up a touchdown. Exactly. You and, don't want that happening. So it's it's not a bad position to invest in. I, I'm not, you know, that doesn't bother me at all. Right. I, I place a lot of importance on special teams, and that's a, that's a position where you got to have somebody who can get the job done. We were very fortunate to have John Denny as long as we did. Yes, absolutely. And this was the round where you saw kickers and punters coming off yes. the board as well. So yes. it, it's probably Jets the right and Bills time. Jets both if- got a kicker in that round. Right. I mean, it, it, it's, it's the round, sixth, seventh round. That's where you're looking at guys that are, that are going to be key parts of the organization going forward. And obviously, they feel that this guy is going to be a long snapper, hopefully for as long as Denny played for. Right. So. And we don't know the seventh round picks. We'll talk about those on Wednesday when I, when I sit in with uh, Jim and Kirk. Not we, you. I will not be there on Wednesday, Michael. It'll be I know you. That. I knew that. <laughs> You get a vacation day. Well, thank you very much. Uh-huh. I appreciate that. Not so, necessary, but I do, you know. What I'll do you think it. of the draft overall? It really mixed, Mike. I mean, today helped. It really did because coming into today, I wasn't I wasn't happy. I there's just, not a lot of wow there. there. There's not a lot of wow. And, um, you know, all of this remains to be seen. 
you know, we have to we have to see what develops over the course of the year uh, with with these football players. But um, the approach that they took, uh, you know, they they could have went very conservative and took guys that should have been drafted in those positions. And um, again, you know, the fact that they rolled the dice quite a bit shows that they have confidence because they knew that this this is such a big year for this organization and this franchise. This draft was key. I mean, they put themselves in this position uh, to, you know, to, to bring a lot of guys in and to change this organization and, and get them winning football games again. And hopefully this is the beginning to that. You know, well, last year was, but, you know, this – this year now is 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 absolutely. You start to see it on the field. Yeah, you have to you have to see it on the field, and you know it starts with the first guy taken, Mike. I mean, you know he's got to get out on the field and he's got to be productive because if he's not, you know, this draft is always going to be looked at as a failure if he doesn't. Um, you know, even if some of the other guys do pan out, you know, they're going to look at this and say. Doggone it. We still didn't get the quarterback that we need. And, you know, this has been something that we've been looking for for years. So, I mean, if he, in fact, does become the player that, you know, everybody expects him to become if he's healthy, then it's going to go along. They'll overlook everything else that took place in this draft because the quarterback can cover up a lot of weaknesses on your football team. They can win you a lot of football games, uh, not single-handedly, but they, they can, you know, they have a lot to do with with winning and losing football games. And um, if this kid develops into what we hope he's going to be, then, uh, you know, then then we're ahead of the game right there. So the key to it is him. The rest of the draft, Mike, again, I have mixed emotions. I think that we did very well at times, and I honestly feel we did extremely poorly at times. So, I mean, at this point, I'd give the draft a C. I mean, getting Breida in a trade helped quite a bit. You know, the fact that they got Weaver late and they got this kid Kinley late, um, that helped a lot today. But, um, you know, overall, I'd give him a C right now. I'm going to be interested to see how some of these other people graded because, I mean, Look, you know, I'm tired of watching Baltimore push us around and and uh, right. Buffalo push us around, and and I'm I'm excited about some of these big kids getting in there and uh, you know doing some pushing of their own. Right. So I mean, if if they can turn this team into a more physical team, then I'll sit here and watch a boring draft. I don't mind. Um, you know they can they can take a guy a little bit earlier than they should. I don't mind. Just get us wins. Get us a more physical team, and and I think they have the right idea. Now whether the execution was there, that we'll have to see. Right, exactly, and that that's you know I have a major problem with not so much the guys that were drafted, but where they were drafted and what we passed up in the process. That's. That's where my issues lie in regard to the whole thing. Is I mean, it's very obvious, Lewis, that they're, they're bringing in you know some of these bigger guys, especially on the offensive side, to protect Tua. Yes. Okay. If I can't get around them, I'm not going to hit the quarterback. <laughs> right. And, and but so. but the question is, Mike, were these the right guys? And that's, well, that's it. That's that's what I meant by execution. So we'll find that out. We're going to find that out exactly. I mean, I you know I I feel that. Um, you know, and Kirk, when we were talking to him earlier, mentioned this, you know, that, you know, maybe next year is the year where we get the, uh, you know, the playmaker type guys. Yeah, the, the shiny toys. The shiny mm-hmm. toys, right. This year was the foundation type of year. You know, we've got some free agents that we're going to sign after the draft is over today. 
and um, you know maybe we get a couple of uh, a couple of uh, diamonds decent, in the rough, huh? diamonds in the rough there, and you know we've still got our our seventh round picks ahead of us as well. So the good thing is, Mike, is that we've got at that defensive end position, you now have four guys that we didn't have on the roster last year, right? Right across the offensive line, right now you have six new guys across the offensive line that you didn't have last year on this roster. And and that's a good thing. That's a that's an extremely good thing. It's something that, you know, when the season ended last year, you know, they were our two two biggest glaring needs. Obviously the quarterback situation, we wanted to get a young guy. Okay, well, check that off. We accomplished that. We needed to bring offensive line guys in. Uh, through free agency and through the draft. Check that off. We did that as well. The defensive end position, which was absolutely horrendous, right behind the offensive line in regard to weakness on this team. Check that off too, because we signed two two free agents. We also signed Van Noy, who's going to help the pass rush, and, and another linebacker. And in the process, we drafted a couple of defensive ends as well. So check that off. So we went out and we addressed a lot of needs. And in the process, we threw a few monkey wrenches in like the cornerback, which could be very good. Uh, And, and, um, and there you have it. So, I mean, you know, you can't, you can question the guys, but the bottom line is they did address the needs on this team going forward. And that's, that's all you can really ask for. Look, now it's it's on the coaching staff to turn them into players. It's as simple as that. Absolutely. And obviously they have a lot of confidence in what they were doing because I can guarantee you they're not going to get great grades from anybody. Not that that matters to them, but, you know, as far as, you know, the write-ups, the fans buy into it and, you know, the, all these analysts on all these NFL networks buy into it and as fans watch it, and they see these grades coming across the board for our football team, they're going to be like, oh, man, we did a horrible job in this and that. But, you know, I'm going to urge people to just be patient. Let it play out. Let it just play out and let it get to where it needs to be. And once the season's over next year, I think we'll we'll be very happy. Yeah, I generally don't like to grade a draft until a year or three years later. (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, you have to you have to you have to throw an opinion out there, Mike. I graded it because Oh, no, I heard you. You know, you I mean, see, I'm giving it a B minus. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, maybe a B because of Tua. Yeah, I really think they handled that situation with uh expertise. They did. And I would I would have given it a B as well, Mike, but I think they made some glaring, glaring mistakes in the middle of this thing, and and that's why I drop it down to a C because you can't you can't ignore that. You know, there's a couple of guys there I'm just not thrilled with. So, but we'll see. Yep, we will. I mean, it's you know, look, they're going to hit the field. Uh, hopefully, there's a training camp. You know, we'll have a better idea come September, October, exactly what we got today. Uh, that's really the time to at least start forming an opinion. You know. I like what they did in theory. Uh, if they got the right players, I love what they did. Right. And we'll see. Mm-hmm. So with that, Lewis, thank you for uh, joining me this afternoon. Very welcome. Um, I guess I'll see you probably a week from Tuesday. Sounds good to me. And uh, I'll be back on Wednesday with uh, Kirk and Jim, and uh, I'm sure they'll give you their opinions on today's uh, draft. With that, fins up. 
Fins up, doll fans. All right, so that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the FinFans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. 